Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Hey everybody, Joe Lon True, peace and long life. Welcome back to Red Shirts and Runabouts, your Star Trek podcast on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am your host, Derek, the Star Trek dude, back after a few months off of the show. And we decided to to bring it back to talk Star Trek Lower Decks, season one, and then Star Trek Discovery, season three. 23 straight weeks of Star Trek. Uh, Greg will be coming back and joining me for the Discovery Season 3 conversations, but I brought back two recurring longtime uh, guest hosts and friends of the show, uh, Zach. Hello, Zach. Hey, how's it going? Good. Welcome back, buddy. Yeah, good to be here. And my co-host on Screen Heroes and in Life, Ray. Aww. Hey. Happy one-year anniversary, you two. Thank you. Thanks. That's a marriage. We've been together a lot longer. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 About five, five and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's going to be us for these 10 episodes of Red Shirts and Runabouts. We're going to review all 10 episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks, um, starting with episode one, Second Contact. That's what we're here for tonight. Before we kind of kick things off, though, since the show's been on a break and I've got some guest hosts with us, I thought it would be fun to talk a little bit about who we are on a personal level, why we're here to talk about Star Trek, and uh, you know maybe uh, you know, some news or any information that, that has come out about Star Trek recently, and then we'll jump into the review. Um, I do want to say this, I think is the very first live streamed episode of red shirts and runabouts. We've never done it live before. And we are streaming live right now in our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash red shirts and runabouts. It's just a star Trek forum. It's not just for the podcast. We do uh, news and memes. We do polls and tournaments. We're building our ultimate Starfleet crew right now. So you can hop in and get some voting in for that before it's all over. We've got a few rounds left think three or four rounds left so be sure to join us for that i've, I've tweeted the links out at red shirts pod on twitter if you want to follow us out there as well so all that good stuff out of the way um well i guess we're going to be doing this live hopefully each week we're going to try and record thursday nights at uh, 10 p.m eastern 9 p.m central 
which would be 7 p.m. Pacific time. So that way we have time to watch the new episode and then talk about it with it fresh in our minds. So you can chat with us while we record in the group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Join us. Whew, that was a lot of talking. All right. So you're talking good. I'm going to start with Zach just because he doesn't talk on the network as much as Ray and I do. Zach, uh, tell people a little bit about who you are. Uh, not just Star Trek, like a little bit about you, um, how you know us or whatever, and go. Yeah, uh, so my name is Zach. Uh, I am a nerd. I am a writer. I am a single dad to two little girls. And uh, yeah, I've been a, a Trek fan for a long time. I've seen all the shows. Uh, I, I first was exposed to Star Trek when I was a kid and I saw the original series movies. Uh, it wasn't until later that I went back and uh, watched through the series itself and all of uh, you know the movies and whatnot. Um, but yeah, and and I've known Derek since we were in elementary school. Uh, Do you know what this month marks for us? Is this the month? Oh my gosh! We Man. have now known each other for twenty five years. We have, we have, and I'm, I'm sad that the pandemic is happening because I know last year we were talking about doing some big uh, thing between you and me and, and our other uh, friends that we've known for, for all this whole time. Yeah, it's a bummer. I've got a gift in mind that I'm going to try and get you guys, but I was, hoping, I was hoping to physically give it to you. So I'm like stalling because I don't want to just like ship it to your houses. Well, like, definitely stall, because this will eventually be over, and we'll have some sort of gathering together that'll be, like, the 20, 25 and a half, or 26, the reunion. <laughs> Save it for the 50. Right, right. <laughs> I'll, I'll eventually get to meet your child once it's born. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope so. Yeah, yes, here's yeah. hoping. It's weird. Like, I commented uh, before uh, on your digital baby shower that, you know, I've you know, outside of Ray standing up on the uh, baby shower call, I've not actually seen her pregnant. So it's going to be this weird thing when I meet your kids. And it's like, oh, I've, Ray, I never saw you pregnant. Like I've seen, like I saw Jill pregnant, for example, when, you know, when she was having Charlie. So yeah, absolutely. It, we're, we're living in weird times, but yeah, we, we've known each other for, for a while. We're, we're Star Trek fans and, and fellow nerds. We've, we've seen some of these movies together. We've watched a lot of these premieres together back when you know it was safe to do so um so yeah it's good to be here and hanging out with you guys even digitally even digitally all right ray now you've done you know like 300 episodes of podcasts at this point so you know the drill yes (laughs) (laughs) all right so i'm siren ray ray for short i am Derek's wife and I helped him get the HPN off the ground. Um, now I'm just kind of, you know, dead weight. But wow. <laughs> Not even. Oh, um, I'm his host on uh, Screen Heroes. I've guest hosted on Red Shirts many a time. Um, I've been on some other podcasts on the network. I am a cosplayer. I work in eyeballs i um let's see what else do i do um oh yeah i'm eight months pregnant and with with derek's child (laughs) yes (laughs) in case that was a question you know 
Uh, Filling in the gaps for any new viewers. Right, of course, of course. And I mean, that's that's about it about me. I uh, got into Trek more recently. It was always in kind of the periphery or background of my life, but I wasn't a fan really as a kid. I just, I would always defend it. I was more of a comic book nerd as a kid. So, you know, if anybody made fun of Star Trek nerds, I'd be like, hey, cool it. That's not okay. (laughs) But definitely living and being with Derek has, you know, exploded the Trek fandom. We're currently... And very adamantly on my part watching DS9. Yes. And I'm in love. Arguably my favorite of the entire franchise. So I'm worried because, so this is like the first one that she's really watching like straight through. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, especially as an adult. And I'm worried that like it's setting the bar a little high. (laughs) Especially like the second half of DS9 you know sets the bar pretty high like every episode we'll finish and she's like that was a good one like yeah you've said that about like the last 10 episodes <laughs> like they're all just you know yeah. one after another just really great as the series progresses and i'm worried we're going to move on to like voyager and like season one of voyager is kind of rough <laughs> yeah a little bit a little bit and and ds9 was not to get off on a tangent but it was so far ahead of its time like it, it prompted a lot of serialized stuff that we're now seeing it that is more standard Mm-hmm. Uh, but for back then, for them to be telling a, a series, because you guys were later in the series, so mm-hmm. for them to be telling a story that was a franchise, you know, within a franchise that uh, uh, charted the progress of a really complicated war, that was that was unheard of in the 90s. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it's dark, it's complex. Most of the <laughs> characters are gray. They're not just good guys and bad guys. Yeah. Um, you know, they all do basically they all do good things from time to time and then they do some not so good things from time to time right Um, gene roddenberry is rolling around in his grave (laughs) (laughs) which we'll talk about tonight i'm sure too oh yeah probably um i absolutely love and adore the um aspects of storylines connecting not a lot is dropped and I appreciate that. I was just talking on Facebook with some friends uh, yesterday about how even though uh, Jurassic Park is one of my favorite films, there's a lot of plot points that are just dropped and it annoys me. So I appreciate that they did that, but I also feel like they're still bringing in new stuff and they're not mm-hmm. over-focusing on the war. Right. You, you see a very human side of the war where there's this big epic struggle happening on and yet the story week to week still focuses on the human beings that are going through everything and and being challenged and, and mm-hmm. uh, changed by their circumstances. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're like halfway through season six at this point, give or take. I forget exactly which episode we're on, but yeah. Um, so we're, we're nearing some pretty big stuff. That's that's getting ready to happen. Uh, Warf yeah. and Zia just got married, so that's I think that was the last episode we watched. Um, was yep. was that one actually? So there you go. Uh, so for me, if you're new to the show, welcome, welcome to Red Shirts and Runabouts. I've uh, I've hosted the show from from the beginning. This is episode 96. I think I've missed one, maybe two episodes. Um, ironically, I missed our most popular episode ever 
which was our uh, first review of Star Trek V The Final Frontier. <laughs> Why yes. is that the most popular? That's surprising. I think it's because it's not really a controversial topic. Everyone just has fun talking about it because it is, you know, of what it is, right? Like we can we can love the camping scenes, you yes. know, and then toasting marshmallows, right? Uh-huh. But we can also make fun of Scotty hitting his head on the bulk on the on the bulkhead or you know, any number of things in that movie that's just hilarious. Superfluous decks on the ship that, that don't actually exist. Like, yeah, I mean, right, like, you know, the, the, j- the jetpack boots and, you know, all those mm-hmm. types of things. So I think it's just something that everyone can get on board with. Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Because <laughs> he's in love. <laughs> he wants to make love to the mountain. Um, so, yeah, so we've been doing this for a long time. We took a little mm-hmm. bit of a break in the spring after P- Star Trek Picard season one. And, um, you know, we're back. We're back now to celebrate these 23 weeks of Trek. Uh, Speaking of which, so what does that mean? So as of today, August 6th, 2020, Star Trek Lower Decks, the new animated series from CBS All Access, has premiered. It'll run 10 episodes, 10 weeks consecutively. Uh, It is a half-hour cartoon, very similar to the animated series, but because it is a... um, uh, streaming service there's some flexibility on the length so the first episode was 26 minutes and change for example mm-hmm. once that is over on october 15th star trek discovery season three premieres so if you haven't caught up on discovery it's gonna be a very different season uh spoiler alert for discovery but there was a big time jump uh, that occurred at the end of season two so they have now moved to the 32nd century which is the farthest mm-hmm in the future uh, that we've ever had a show set or a movie set, which is pretty cool. Uh, They have a ton of freedom. I think one of the major complaints about discovery was that they were very boxed in canon wise with what they could and could not do. Now they have, I mean, as much freedom as I think you could possibly have at this point uh, to bring in new species, new technologies, new designs without anybody being able to say that's not canon. Cause there is no longer canon at this point in the timeline. It's all new. Um, we got a couple looks at season three so far, including a new com badge, uh, or I guess, you know, insignia badge. I guess we don't know if it works as a communicator or not yet, if we're splitting hairs. But guys, what do you think so far about Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Season 3, do you like where it's headed? Do you like the, the new combat design? Or are you looking forward to anything in particular? Oh, Anybody. goodness. Anybody. <laughs> I didn't want to be the first one to jump in. Okay, so let's see. I I am looking forward to Discovery. I think the three of us discussed this when it premiered that uh, we were really hoping they would go after Nemesis and not somewhere else. So this is a chance to do some cool things be in a different timeline i don't know exactly when this takes place but 
I just know that they're a little more free in this case. Um, the trailers have been pretty awesome. I am actually looking forward to the inclusion of more aliens. I always love more aliens. And the fun um, apocalypse look should be really cool, too. Yeah, I don't have any opinions on the com badge, if it is a com badge. Um, it, it's not super exciting to me, but it's not offensive. I, I don't have a strong opinion on, on the badge itself. Um, but I am, like you said, I am very much excited about the, the time frame. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this, this unexplored uh, region of, of Trek history, as it were. I don't know if it's appropriate to call it history at this point, but um, I do like, you get the sense from the trailers that things are not great for the Federation. Um, like the Federation flag, which, you know, you know, includes all of the different planets. Um, it, it's much more sparse. There's only a few lights. There's only a few little dots on that flag. And that is uh, concerning. But I think it's going to make for some good storytelling. Like we've reached a point in the, in the future where, uh, and, and, you know, based on even what we saw in Picard and what we gather from um, uh, Lower Decks, even a little bit. It, it would make sense that that the Enterprise was not going to be, or not the Enterprise, the uh, the Federation was not going to be, um, you know, this perfect utopia forever, that there were going to be forces or things that were going to challenge that. And I know one of the big uh, complaints about Trek now from old school fans is that it's too dark, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing a, a hopeful Trek uh uh, mindset come out of some pretty hopeless situations and I think honestly whether it's Star Trek or any good sci-fi um, I think that that's a, a marker of, of the quality is that it speaks to the time that we're in and right now we're in a pretty uh, difficult time where a lot of people feel hopeless and I, I like that Trek is speaking to that so I'm, I'm looking forward to some relevant Star Trek content and uh, I trust that it will include a, a vein of hopefulness. So I think the flag is a red herring. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. Because, I mean, there's a point during like the main TNG DS9 era where there's like a thousand planets in the Federation and that flag doesn't have a thousand stars on it. So I don't think sure. there's ever, other than the three brighter stars that represent the founding planets of the federation i don't think it was ever meant to be a one-to-one -one. so i think it's a minimalist redesign of the flag that is a red herring and that's not actually pointing towards the state of the federation at all okay um, i think they've done a really specific job to hide any sense of what anything looks like in this time period we we haven't seen any ships we haven't seen interiors of ships or the only piece of technology that we've seen is that hand cannon type device that we see a very diverse group of, I'm assuming Starfleet officers using um, in one shot. So like we really don't know much. Um, and I think that that's very on purpose and the Federation is just, just looks substantially different from what we're used to, but I don't, I don't think it's as down in the dumps as the trailers may may lead you to believe it's a ruse we'll, we'll find out in 10 weeks i guess <laughs> yes yes um the other the only other real big piece of of trek news is star trek picard is currently confirmed for 2021 for season two which is pretty cool 
Um, it's also really ballsy of them to say 2021 when we're currently living in a pandemic where filming things safely is not uh, a possibility. So, well, mm-hmm. I do want to say that as of right now, the only thing to premiere on time is Lower Decks. Right, right, but <laughs> so... it's an animated feature. It's it's animated, so, so that helps. So I mean, but but Discovery's season one and season two were both delayed. Picard was also delayed. It so was. Lower Decks is the only show to actually come out in the window that they had originally stated. Um, take that as a, the, a positive trend, if you'd like. I don't really know if it is or not. So kudos Posi- to that team. A positive trend or just a reflection of the, the nature of animated media versus uh, filmed media. Possibly. That's, that's definitely a real possibility. Uh, and keep in mind, in order to be faithful to 2021 it just has to premiere in 2021 sure right so you know we still have potentially you know 16 17 months uh before we could see season two but it is an active project that they're you know serious on pushing forward with as as is star trek uh strange new worlds which if you didn't know is the new the newest announced show uh, which will follow Anson Mount, Rebecca Romaine, and Ethan Peck's characters of Pike, Una, number one, and Spock aboard the Enterprise prior to Kirk. Uh, fan be... pressure. It works. You what? A fan pressure. It oh, works. fan pressure. I, I mean, I don't know if it was fan pressure as much as just fan delightment, right? Right. I mean, we just loved it. And this, I think the studio, the, the actors wanted to do it. The fans mm-hmm. wanted to see them do it. I think the studio... I stand firmly that you don't build that Enterprise bridge set to not keep using it. That was too detailed, too high quality for a TV show to be shown in that small capacity. They intended to use it, but they just weren't going to say anything in case people didn't like how any of that turned out. But there was demand. There was demand. I mean, the the casting, all all three of them were cast well. I'm excited to see more of them. Anson, I'm a straight man, but Anson Mount is gorgeous. <laughs> I have true. no no problem saying that at all. I'm more of a uh, Rebecca Romaine fan, but hey, you know, whatever. I like Rebecca Romaine, but like Anson Mount, I. <laughs> yeah. Ray, where do you fall? Are you an Ethan Peck lady? I <laughs> uh, I am. How graphic can we get on here? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's look. We're not PG, but I like to keep it family friendly if possible. I would like to be in an Ethan Peck Anson Mount sandwich. <laughs> okay, okay, good to know. Um, I guess actually we do have one more piece of news, and that's we do know now the uh, official title of the Nickelodeon Star Trek show, which we had right. a. A basic synopsis for we have a little more detail on that now it's called star trek prodigy it will be a cgi cartoon a lot of people are assuming it'll look a lot like the more modern ninja turtles cartoon on nickelodeon as far as the the animation style and it follows a group of adolescents who find a derelict downed starfleet vessel they fix it up and go on crazy adventures together its main demographic is under the age of 10. Um, it sounds a bit like, do you, do you remember watching space cases when we were a kid on Nickelodeon? Oh man. 
Yeah, that's dated. <laughs> it is. It's very dated, but this feels like the premise feels very. Cases. I did too. The one girl uh, had an imaginary friend that became that was, a real character. Later. That was Jewel State. It, yeah. it was. It was Jewel State of Firefly Flame uh, fame. Yeah, like she. <laughs> yeah. I, I held the flame in my heart for her. <laughs> I'm fine with it. But she, yeah, she was. Uh, I mean, that whole that I, I enjoyed the whole show, and that whole show in and of itself was very, in hindsight, uh, derivative of Trek. So, so how do you guys feel about a children's cartoon for Star Trek, specifically designed for young kids? Well, both of you got into Star Trek a lot younger than I did. So I, I feel like a good chunk of me kind of missed out, but this is a chance for, you know, my own daughter to grow up with a Star Trek aimed just at her. And while I totally can't wait for her to see the other stuff, it does bring up some ethical questions that I'm not necessarily looking forward to answering at a young age, but I'm hoping this is a nice bridge, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw Spock die and get resurrected by the age of like five, you know? <laughs> right. We're, we're seasoned veterans who have seen some shit. So, but yeah, I mean, Tasha, Tasha died quite young in my life, quite early mm-hmm. on in my life. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, um, I, I agree with Ray though. Like I have, I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old daughter and I don't, necessarily enjoy all of the shows that they enjoy watching um i watch with them and because i want to be involved in the media they're consuming and i want to be an active participant in their life but um i i relish that there will be star trek aimed at them like and and i hope i hope that they enjoy it more than me i hope it's a star trek where i walk away going uh you know it's not my thing but my kids really love it and and if that's the case then that makes me happy because i love star trek as a franchise i think it is bigger than any one show or or movie and i love the fact that my girls might get to grow up in a um you know a roddenberry informed utopian mindset that that encourages them for you know through you know through some dark times so Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm looking forward to it. I think it sounds fun. I am curious, you know, some of the details. When does it take place? For right. example, um, right. are these adolescents? Are they aliens? Are they humans? Are they a a mixture of different species? Um, oh, I'm sure it'll be a blend. Yeah. Just, <laughs> of just diversity. curious. Uh, I will say it will it won't be the easiest thing for us to watch because it because it's a Nickelodeon show. It'll not be on CBS All Access for at least a year according to the early reports um so that means you're gonna have to watch it through nickelodeon or rent it through i'm assuming amazon prime video will have it for rent like it does most shows uh or you know maybe it'll have a deal with with netflix or something you know like like avatar um i guess we'll have to kind of wait and see but that's the only thing that i'm a little bummed about is that it just won't be part of anything i'm currently subscribed to and we're already subscribed to a lot, so that is kind of a kick in the nuts. So much, yeah. And like, don't get me wrong, like I, I am very happy that this is a thing that's happening. It yeah. would just be nice for it to be included on CBS All Access with the rest of Trek. That's all, because I, I, th- I saw CBS All Access as a, as an opportunity, especially with with uh, the Viacom deal going through now, for Star Trek to all come back under one roof, um, and you know, 
it's it's a bit of a bummer to see that that's not exactly happening yeah streaming rights are so confusing and often very polarizing so Mm -hmm. i i have nothing good to say about it (laughs) yeah that's fair we talk about that type of stuff on screen heroes all the time because it's a it's a common conversation you can listen to our whole rant about mulan in this week's episode of screen heroes so um check that out I think that's it, though, for news. So what we're going to do here, since we've never done this live before, people, if you're watching this video in our Facebook group at some point, you, you don't know necessarily that we do this. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back from that break, we will be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 1 Second Contact. And don't worry, we'll provide a spoiler warning before we dive into the details so you can catch the beginning of it if you haven't quite seen that yet. So we'll be right back, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So we are back. We are talking Star Trek Lower Decks, Episode 1, Second Contact. I'm your host, Derek. I've got my guest host with me, Ray and Zach. And let's talk a bit about what Lower Decks is. So first, Star Trek Lower Decks is a prime canon timeline Star Trek series. It takes place seven years after Star Trek Nemesis, which puts it between Star Trek Nemesis and Star Trek Picard Season 1. It is an animated series. It is from the creator of Rick and Morty and has a, uh, a focus on the Lower Decks characters. So if you've ever seen the Star Trek episode lower decks from the next generation so those types of characters these are the people that do more of the day-to-day work they're not bridge staff they're not senior staff they're not chiefs of anything uh they you know do a lot of the star trek makes jokes about you know you'll end up on sanitation duty this is what those people do every day when they're doing their jobs right you know what i mean um so they're even referred to as Lower Decks. That's what these people are. So uh, the show comes from Mike McMahon. McMahon? McMahon? McMahon. McMahon. McMahon? It's, it's, it's a tough name, yeah. I apologize. I'm really awful with names. I, I just am. It's I, I try. Um, it stars the voice cast of Tawny Newsome, Jack Quaid, Noelle Wells, Eugene Cordero, Don Lewis, Jerry O'Connell, uh, and, and several others, Phil Lamar. Uh, who, uh, if you watch cartoons, you will definitely recognize uh, his voice. He's done some of my favorite stuff. Um, and so that's just some of the, the main voice cast. Focuses on four primary characters, Ensign uh, Mariner, uh, Bomler, Tendi, and Rutherford. Those are the main four that the show oh follows. Um, we have two humans, a man and a woman. We have a an Orion woman, and we have a uh, cyborg male. He's he's a new cyborg, though. So, um, it's a half hour show, like I said earlier, and it is a comedy, um, which I know kind of rubs some people the wrong way. So, uh, before we dive into spoilers, 
Ray, what is your spoiler-free take on episode one, Second Contact? Um, okay, I'm not entirely sure if the series is going to be for me or not. It, I have no issue with the comedy thing because I think at this point Star Trek has evolved and could fit into a myriad of genres or be adapted to it. But uh, some of the humor is a little... It just... Uh, let's see here incredibly in your face and on the nose and there's not much subtlety to anything so we'll see how it goes on the first episode had a couple of really hilarious spots in it that I laughed at completely so hopefully I'll just you know continue to enjoy it it'll only get better from here but if it doesn't and it's not for me I'm not gonna be upset I still have a lot of Trek to get through. <laughs> Zach, what about you? Uh, I loved it. I, I, you know, it's only one episode, but I, I would, will say I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I feel like it has a lot of promise. Um, I, no spoilers here. I don't know if you guys watched the, um, the Ready Room companion to this episode. I did. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things I liked about it is they, they talked that, that they were very intentional, that they were wanting to derive from the next generation and that universe and they spoke very directly about how the main difference between lower decks and the next generation aside from animation versus live action uh was the fact that they just focus on the b plot you know and, and there was some really funny stuff in the next generation there was some really silly weird stuff that happened it was just usually the b plot uh and the same can be said even of a little bit of ds9 but, but more of maybe voyager um and I just like that we're bringing the B plot to the forefront. Um, it is just, it's a unique take on Trek. Uh, I liked the characters and their relationships enough to um, say fairly confidently that I, I think I'm going to enjoy it. I'm, I'm also a Rick and Morty fan, which I hesitate to say. Like, I feel like that's one of those, that's one of those shows that you have to preface. Like I'm, I'm a decently general, you know, functioning human being. I'm but not I've a total never freak. yelled at, a mcdonald's worker before <laughs> right 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 so like there, there are a lot of these fandoms lately where you have to be embarrassed like i like star wars but i'm not a man baby who's gonna cry about the new movies right they're not for me so i enjoy rick and morty a lot i think it's smart and i think i you know i'm among the rick and morty fans that understand that rick is not a hero you should idolize uh, <laughs> and i still enjoy the show um so i will say yeah like as a rick and morty fan as a Star Trek fan that uh, uh, they, they've piqued my interest with this first episode. I am very much on board. Uh, I like what they're doing. I see what they're doing. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun ride. So I, uh, I've never seen Rick and Morty at all. Uh, so I didn't really like when people kept saying it's just going to be like Rick and Morty. I, I don't know what that really means necessarily. I overall liked it. it. I agree with Ray that a lot of the humor is very on the nose. Um, mm -hmm. I do appreciate that the humor is, not at the expense of the franchise like they're not poking fun at star trek they're poking fun at stuff inside of star trek and i think there is a difference yes. um, so i do appreciate that i think that mike and um you know everybody involved in the in the writer's room and barry kelly who was the director on this episode clearly knows star trek especially tng like there's just no question um and uh, the style is kind of cool 
Uh, I like the animation style. I like the design of the ship and I like the designs of the interiors and all of these different things. I think it looks good. Um, and I think that's really all I can say before diving into spoilers, except for like my one like nitpicky canon thing that I'm sure is just maybe not worth talking about is like I like the uniforms a lot. I think they oh, look Oh yeah, they're like cool. They look great. I don't understand how they fit in though with like the timeline of uniforms because we already have the the TNG movie era uniforms that DS9 gets yeah, you know, in the second half of its run, uh, that's a big departure from the uh, the previous uniforms, and then they get back to the colors with Picard. And so I'm wondering if maybe this is the explanation here is that when the war was really over with the Dominion, right, and you, you fought the Dominion, you fought the Borg, you fought the Sona, you fought the Romulans, or at least the uh, the Remans. Uh, with Shinzon, the Federation was like, these are the worst luck uniforms that we've ever had as an organization. So we're just going to retire those and go back to the tried and true colors that were we had during primarily peacetime. And that's how we got to this. What do you think? Is that good headcanon? It works for me. I also, yeah. I, I knew that would be one of your complaints as I was watching this pilot episode. I was like, yep, Derek's going to have some thoughts on this. Um, and, and it's valid. It's a valid, valid concern. But um, also part of me wonders because we've never seen a ship that wasn't as important as the Enterprise. You see in all the other shows, you see a lot of other, you know, you see sister ships, but they're all pretty, you know, they're high ranking doing important business. Whereas the Cerritos it is, is very different. And so this also made me wonder like, okay, like do uniform, are the uniforms generally uniform throughout or like do lower ranking ships have their own uniform to kind of signify like, yeah, you're a bridge crew, but you're not enterprise bridge crew. You're not the best of the best. So that is a discovery concept because the yeah. enterprise and discovery got the new uniforms before the constitution class ships got them before the other ships. Right. That's why um, I was thinking this. It's an interesting thought. It, it is in the later star Trek shows, like in the, in the nineties, it seems like everybody is wearing the exact same stuff, right? Like look at Voyager Voyager is wearing the exact same uniforms as DS nine, even though those started off as space station uniforms. Um, then of course you have the confusion in generations where people are wearing two different kinds of uniforms throughout. And I, that's being nice. Cause that's ignoring some of the cheaper uniforms that are used for more background characters. Um, but I don't want to dwell on that. So let's do our spoiler warning so we can dive into the nitty gritty. So if you haven't seen it yet, this is your spoiler warning. Let's dive in guys. Where do you want to start? It can be a character, a plot point, a design point. Is there something that stuck out to you that you just have to talk about? I don't want to monopolize the conversation. <laughs> uh, well, I say we talk about the four main characters. Um, Let's yeah. do it. I'm not entirely sure if they have them quite figured out yet because it seemed like they had one personality trait apiece. And yeah. that was it. The, uh, you know, Ensign Mariner is loud and obnoxious and overconfident. And Ensign Bulmer is uh, nerve-wracked, nerve anxious. Nervous, and, yeah. Yeah. And um, 
you know, eager for advancement. Tendi is over the top and super excited ball of energy. And then Rutherford is just a cyborg. <laughs> so I, I really hate that one because, you know, it's just futuristic for, and this is the black character. But he also had my favorite storyline throughout the whole thing. So I'm really hoping they, they get more development. It is just one episode, but they seemed very flat. So let's, I, let's talk I about agree. Rutherford for a second. Um, I think he's a good one that, to focus on because I, I liked the angle that they took because he's not just, just a cyborg. He's a, he's a new cyborg. And it's a Vulcan implant that keeps mm -hmm. trying to suppress his emotions. And so I feel like that's not good for his dating life <laughs> is not. And I feel like that that plants the seeds for a lot of possible storytelling because there's what happened. Yeah. Right. Why did he get a Vulcan device? And then mm -hmm. how is he coping with that device? And how is he now different than he was before? And I think that that has a lot of opportunity that I'm really excited to see. Yeah, I'm interested in that as well. And as a fan of The Good Place, I love that he's voiced by Pillboy. Yes. yes. I know. How great is that? Aw, dip. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I like that a lot. Uh, I thought that that was a really cool kind of trait. Um, for, I mean, Bol uh, um, I, I keep saying his name wrong. Boimler. 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 Boimler, there it is. Yeah, Boimler. He uh, he kind of feels like the stereotypical sitcom main straight guy, right? Yeah, he uh, does. Who like he drives the story. He's your focal point, but he's like the least interesting of the main characters, right? Mm -hmm. Like Seinfeld, for example, right? Right. The, the three actors surrounding Jerry are better actors than Jerry, but it's Jerry's show. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. I think that that's what we have here. Uh, I agree. You know, he clearly like. He wants to be the best of the best, but he's very ill-prepared, I think, mm -hmm. is, is the problem. He's very green. Um, whereas, like, Mariner, she, I mean, I guess we don't know how long she's been an ensign. Did that come up? But, like, she's been on five ships, she said. It doesn't. And so I, I agree with Ray. Everyone's pretty one-dimensional. The only small area I would disagree in is that Mariner, I feel like by the end of the episode, we have a, a fairly somewhat vague three-dimensional shape of who she is tendy absolutely she's just they, i feel like we're almost like forced to uh we're like we're being forced to uh uh empathize with tendy because she's new to the ship and we're new viewers and we're supposed to be viewing the world through her eyes and her optimism um whereas by the end of the episode i felt like mariner she had some depth to her like you realize that she has been on important missions and for whatever reason she's been demoted. And then you figure out that like both of her parents are, uh, or her mom's a captain and her dad's an admiral. And she's, she's kind of a, a hard ass who could, you know, could follow the rules and, and do good things, but she just has her own idea. And, and like, I really loved her little bit in this episode. My favorite thing about this episode may arguably was the character moment where she, she said, look, I was here when we did first contact on my last ship and these are farmers. They don't have time to wait for Federation bureaucracy to give them what they need. And so I'm giving them what they need. And I really, I think that her, 
you know, Roddenberry might roll over in his grave at the thought of Federation officers, you know, not getting along or following command. But I also think that maybe Roddenberry would be sympathetic to her morals and her values and her ability to stand up for the underdog and say, no, these are people who have needs and I see that they have needs and I've got the means to supply that. So I'm going to do it, whether or not my command says it's okay. And I, I, I was, I'm team, uh, team Mariner hardcore by the end of this episode as a result. <laughs> Ray, anything you want to add to any of that? No, I'm the one that brought it up. Okay. Okay. I, I said what That's I fine. said. That's fine. Well, a lot's been said since then. So I just wanted to give you an opportunity to, to add on, but um, I'm with you. I'm with you there. I like Mariner a lot. Uh, I, I, I'm not surprised by the parent element in no. here. Mm-hmm. I had a hunch that there was something I, I had not guessed parent, but I had a hunch there was something else going on that she hadn't said. Uh, and it makes perfect sense at this point that, She's probably in Starfleet because her parents made her go to Starfleet. And while she's very good and capable and excels at it, she's not, it's not what she wants. Right. right? That's not where her motives lie. That's not her passion. And so her passion, her passion, I guess, is being a a bit more of an independent force doing what Mm -hmm. she thinks is the right thing to do. But I do think her love of justice and, um, her sense of righteousness is a very stark thing, which is ironic. It's a Starfleet that they uphold in theory, but not always in practice. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's fair. We see the the main heroes of our shows break protocol to help people on a regular basis, mm-hmm. you right. know, but they're painted as the heroes because they're in charge, mm-hmm. right? So they get to make those decisions. And this is the first time we really, uh, it's probably not the first time. Let's be fair here, but, it's you know this time we get to see a, a very low ranking non senior staff member do something like this um and you'd think there would be some consequences i think maybe that's the only failing that that this really has is that narratively speaking nobody's really paying attention and yeah. maybe that's because the Ceratos isn't some super important vessel and, you know, maybe the staff on board are not the best of the best, right? Maybe Captain Freeman is, you know, only a mediocre captain or something along yeah. those lines, but nobody really knows what's going on. Like, uh, Boimler shows up without a uniform and there's no explanation. Like he doesn't have to explain why or what happened, right? Those right. supplies for the farmers go missing nobody nobody notices they go missing or reports that they go missing Uh, right that kind of thing like that's a little bit problematic and maybe Mm -hmm. it's just because the length of the episode they have to squeeze a lot into 26 minutes Mm -hmm. uh, especially as a pilot because they have to introduce all of these characters plus all of the side characters because they're the the higher ups right right i don't want to judge it too harshly because it is a pilot and they've got it's a pilot is a a lot of pressure Mm mm-hmm but, but I do think that them being lower decks as a premise uh, holds a really, it holds a lot of potential for future stories because like you said, they're not, this isn't the flagship of the, of the Federation. No one gives a shit about the Cerritos is the impression that we get. E- even, even the command crew, it's like, yeah, they're the command crew for a reason, but they're, they're not the Enterprise. Like, you know, these are not people who, uh, you know, or would would have any threat of taking over any enterprise positions anytime soon. So there's a storytelling potential in my mind that like when you look at the lower decks, you have the potential to see uh, 
characters who are going to do the right thing and do a very Trek thing and grow, uh, not because they're being watched, not because they're important, but because it's what they want to do. And, and so like, and that, that's integrity. Integrity is what you do when others aren't watching. And I think, I think I have a feeling, I have a hunch that in this season of, of uh, lower decks, we're going to see these characters do the right thing and grow and, and not because they think they're going to get anything out of it, but because it's, it's an ideal that they value and, and hold on to. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I like that. Um, so Tendi, uh, aside from her personality, she is Orion. And that was something that was more or less assumed based on her design, but it was confirmed in this Skin episode <laughs> uh, based on, you know, the, the holodeck scene. Uh, so she's our first Orion in Starfleet in the prime timeline. I'm going to throw that caveat out there because right. of the that Kelvin we're aware films. of. Uh, right. That we ever get to see. There is one in the Kelvin films, uh, Uhura's mm-hmm. roommate. Uh, but uh, how do you guys feel about finally seeing an Orion in Starfleet? I mean, we hardly get to see them anywhere, right? They're a very limited uh, exposure group, but I'm really excited to finally see more aliens in more normal roles. Yes, absolutely. So the Orions tend to be uh, some of my favorite, and I think it's because of how underrepresented they are as well as the fact that green skinned people I just seem to be drawn to so I'm I'm super excited for that and I'm really hoping uh ten, I warm up to Tendi a lot uh the over excited achiever is not something I usually identify with but truly and completely at the end of the episode when she like exclaims that she got to hold a heart like that would have been me since I work in the medical field I come home sometimes and I get really excited and I'm like I got to inject somebody today and like I'm so pumped about it so that that is exactly how I would feel in that situation I would not be upset about all the gunk on me I'd be like heart I held a heart so that was her redeeming quality for me. <laughs> Zach, what about you? Uh, yeah, I, um, I don't know. I just, I really, I enjoyed the whole, I enjoyed the whole thing. I related, I, like I said, I related most to Mariner and, and her whole situation. Um, and I think what most stuck with me is just the character relationships. I liked, um, uh, I had to check IMDb again. I liked Rutherford. I wanted to call him Billboy. I liked Rutherford's <laughs> whole date situation and then how like both of them are like not phased. They're like, mm, yeah, like, you know, this whole thing's happening, but they're still, they're still continuing their date and it's fine uh, because they're used to it. And, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, ultimately I related to most Mariner. Uh, I thought she was the most fleshed out and end of this episode, I was most excited about the character uh, relationships and I, I did not like you know Boimler at all really but but I liked that uh, Mariner decided to take him on as a um, a student if you will and like her enthusiasm like it was a cool character moment for her to see like her like oh I have this enthusiasm I can share all this stuff with you and then goes on to like rattle off all this like hardcore uh trek easter egg and knowledge that we're all like yes i know what she's talking about um <laughs> so yeah name drops lots of name drops a lot of name drops yeah uh, so so mariner mariner is my favorite and i i think um 
yeah, like I'm just really excited to see these relationships evolve. And uh, it's a pilot, so I give it some leniency for its shortcomings. Uh, but I do think that there's a lot of potential here and I'm excited to see what they do and how they grow. Because that's what Trek is all about, it's growth. <laughs> so I really like Tendi. I think because I was like that before the corporate world like beat me down for a decade. Uh, uh, you know, sweet so like, innocent Derek. So like when I was 23 and I was just starting out, everything was exciting and fun. And I, I had all of these goals and, and hopes and dreams for my career and everything. And uh, every time I got to touch a new technology or get involved in a new kind of project or, or initiative, it was always really exciting. And so I relate to that a lot. Um, and kind of forgot that you know how how i used to look at a lot of those situations compared to now literally a decade later so you forgot um, how joy feels <laughs> in that in in the context in, in the context of work it's definitely fewer and far between than when i started that's fair right it's just messing with you um it's just not the same and so like i like seeing that brightness in her personality for her job and her passion. And I feel like if I Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If I had been in the Star Trek universe and could have gone the path of Starfleet and went through the Academy, I would feel the exact same way she does when I got assigned to my first ship. You know, um, that's what I would be like. I would be extremely giddy and excited and just, you know, ready to go at, at thrusters on full. Um, so I, I totally I, I get that a lot uh, i do think it's interesting so if you look at the star trek shows the non-human character is usually the most human character right the one that the audience is supposed to connect with right it's the spock it's data it's the dr emh or tuvok it's you know that's just the way it goes and now in this show it's the same exact thing the audience perspective is the not is the one non-human of the main four mm -hmm. um which I'm sure is very much on purpose, uh, mm -hmm. especially after hearing everything Mike had to say about his love for TNG and the inspirations from TNG. I'm sure that's exactly by design. And I like that. I think that's a good thing. I think it's a formula that has worked for over 50 years and uh, there's a reason it works. So, um, so that's kind of a fun, a fun thing I noted. Uh, so we have the, the main like senior staff and bridge crew, so to speak. Um, we don't get a ton from them, obviously, but did anybody stand out to you, good or bad, that you think is worth noting from this first episode? I think they're all supposed to be just a little bit annoying so that you like the Lower Decks crew a bit better. Um, I keep wanting to call the doctor a tabaxi and not a catian, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the, the doctor was a grisly jerk. The captain was way too focused on her daughter instead of, you know, 
the zombie outbreak. Uh, <laughs> one guy is just straight up ready to destroy stuff. And, you know, like he's he's kind of like um, Lieutenant Shax, the oh, Bajoran. Yeah. Yeah. He's just insane. And then you have the very similar looking to Chris Pine uh, womanizer guy who brings the rage virus on board so Commander I, yeah. yes i feel like uh all of them are supposed to be a little bit unlikable yeah i think that's fair i think you're i think you're right i think they're also supposed to be more one-dimensional yeah whereas i think that with the the main four lower deckers that we're gonna get them fleshed out but yes. i think it's it's the reverse right we're gonna see you know, maybe some of those senior staff and bridge crew get fleshed out over time, but it's going to take a long time because they're the the B and C story now. Right. Right. So right. I think that's definitely the case. Like Shax, for example, like he's kind of just like a less controlled wharf. Right. Mm -hmm. He wants to fight. He wants to battle. He wants to go, go, go. And, um, you know, that's a little little. I like that he's Bajoran. We haven't seen a lot of Bajorans for mm -hmm. working for Starfleet. Yeah. I absolutely, thing. I absolutely adore that twice in 26 minutes he suggested to blow up the warp core. <laughs> like, yes. Like, what That's are all you need doing, to know about sir? that character. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That tells you everything you need to know about him. Like, and given the time frame, I kind of assume he is like a freedom fighter. Like, maybe he worked under Kira during the resistance. That's true. He could be. I mean, based on his age he definitely would have been around for the Cardassian occupation as well as yeah. the Dominion mm -hmm. War. So you would yeah. think he was involved. Um, yeah. And he's seen some stuff. You know, he's got, <laughs> he's got some battle damage and, and things like that. So and I, I agree. I, we, we so rarely get to see a Bajoran. Outside of DS9, there's basically none. Yeah. You know, you have Ro, Ro Lauren, who was supposed to go to DS9. She was the original idea for Kira. Um, and then like that's it that's 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 your Bajoran time for the day you know um kind of like uh -huh. how you really only get to see andorians in enterprise right right you know? um it's the same kind of concept and so one advantage that this show has because it's animated is you could just throw in different aliens all the time because you don't have to worry about makeup you don't have to worry yeah. about the time that that takes or the money that that takes or the consistency that was one of my favorite it's, parts of the show it's looking in the background to see who all they have like they have yeah. bullions on the ship they have andorians on the ship they like it, it was just crazy how diverse it was i think it's easily the most diverse trek that we've seen i think it's also very telling that we've only ever seen cadians on the animated shows <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, I think it would just be so difficult to do that practically well and... the the two girls that uh kirk sleeps with in the kelvin timeline it, yes. are Catian. you don't know it at first and then all of a sudden their tails poke up from the bed but... i do think we also see one in star trek five uh, that water pool game that they're playing in Star Trek Five, they they throw the the woman onto. I think yeah. she's supposed to be, but we don't really get a great look. And there could be other species that look similar. I don't know if that's right. a confirmed thing or not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and there's some other stuff in, in here too. So uh, and it's 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 a very fleeting moment that like I swear you have to like really need to look for, especially if you want it to be a bad thing. 
but there's a person when Tindy is first arriving on the ship in the shuttle bay. There is an officer who appears to be a Sikh or something like that. I'm not super familiar. It's a very quick view. It's uh, I didn't get a good look. Um, and so that's something very interesting because we don't ever see that in Star Trek either. Any other you know religions being uh, from Earth being represented. Um, you know, Bajorans are obviously very religious. There's other species that are very religious, and there's references to religion in Star Trek. Um, but we rarely get to see any of the other Earth religions represented that aren't just like the standard Christian religion. Um, so that was kind of cool, right. as, as fleeting as it was. Uh, hopefully, we see more of stuff like that. But it gives a lot of flexibility being animated. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was cool. Like, I mean, this, this we saw the first Benzite uh, in recent memory too. Just yeah. As a brief, like he was behind one of the protagonists for a minute, and like, but that was cool. Yeah, great. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, I, I've always loved them. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, you basically you see them in TNG a little bit, and that's all I remember. So maybe they show up in DS Nine, and I'm forgetting. But very. That's all I remember one at a time kind of situation. It's never like you see a, a group of them. Um, mm-hmm. Right. You know. It's a lot, it's a lot of prosthetics and you've got that whole like front thing that like brings up the little, mm-hmm. whatever that is, breathing apparatus or translate. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it, it's for breathing. Okay. It, yeah. It's, it's for breathing. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we got to see Bolians and there's going to be more Bolians. I've always loved the Bolians, every Bolian that they've ever had in live action has always just been great and just a joy. And I've always wanted more. So, yes. you know, that's a, a really great opportunity. Um, now, Ray, I know this isn't really your thing and you may not have a strong opinion, but how do you feel about the ship? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask <laughs> me about ships. Oh, my God. Okay. The USS Cerritos, California class starship. So full confession, I... I always get asked about the ships and if I have an opinion on them or not. And so I have been looking at the Eagle Moss website to get a better understanding of the differences between the ship, because when they have a, you know, 10 second appearance, that's not even consecutive. I have no idea. Uh, But, but I want to answer your questions. I want to know these things for you. Uh, First of all, the design of it looks really cool. I, I think like my largest issue is that with the um, Federation ships, they all have that dish and nacelle kind of look to it. So I can easily be like, but it's the same. It's called the saucer section. Oh, okay or the primary hull. And this is where I leave, guys, (laughs) because I just said I don't know these things. I'm just trying Uh, to help. And I know this is going to sound really, really girly and stupid, but I liked the yellow coloring on it because it just separated it from the Enterprise. And it was a small detail, but on the saucer, had a nice little ring of yellow, and it looked really polished and nice and i i don't know why that made all the difference for me but it did so that's what i've got no more ship questions thank you so first i just want to say liking the color yellow isn't really girly or manly 
It's now, a, I, like, <laughs> I more pretty neutral that I I was focused on color and you know, it, but it's why, just why, why is, is that curly? Because I do that with cars too, and I'm like, I like the color. <laughs> but <laughs> you people know? who are passionate about those things care about that the aesthetic as well. Okay. I mean, All most, right. most of the time when you talk, when someone's talking about starships, it's the aesthetic of the starship that we're talking about. Right. You know? And so I don't think that that can be girly or manly. I think it's a spaceship. Like, <laughs> I've met Star Trek fans. I know. A Have few, you? Yes. I know a few that even listen to this podcast. Who's going to listen to this episode and be like, she doesn't know shit about ships. Like, why are you talking to her? So, well, then they can shut the fuck up. It's not, it's not everybody's <laughs> thing. Um, it's not. So, so I, I really like the idea of the Ceratos for a lot of reasons. My main reason for liking it is because of what it is. So we talked this whole, it's the second contact vessel, right? It's not the flagship. It is straight up a kit bash design of a starship. And I love that through and through. And if you don't know what that is, back in the day before they had CGI models for ships, they would build the models, practical effects, right? And in order to do that, they would do what they called kit bashing, where they would take kits from multiple sources or multiple copies of a kit and put parts together that were not really intended originally to go together. Extra nacelles or moving a saucer underneath the secondary hull or whatever, right? And you see that a ton in TNG. You see it a good amount in DS9. Um, and it kind of started to fade away as, as the ships became CGI at that point, but it was a cost-cutting technique. You could literally go out as, as someone working on the production and buy an Excelsior model and buy five Excelsior models and put the pieces together, right? Um, was a thing that you could just do and then shoot that and have that be in the episode. That's a thing that used to happen. Uh, and that's what this is, right? This is straight up... Um, it's a kit bash. You've got the galaxy class style saucer section. The secondary hull is, is a different kind of design. It's stretched out, which is something that a lot of the kit bashes would do by putting different kinds of parts together. And it just looks a little, a little off. It's a little silly, right? It's a ship you would have seen in the background that was destroyed in Wolf 359 or something like that. I don't know. Zach, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I love the ships. I love that they... They did a good job of, of they talked about this in the ready room of making a show that um, is animated, but it takes place in a very real world. And I like that they paid attention to detail as far as the aesthetic. And it sounds like a lot of the animators were watching next gen as they were working, which is really cool. Um, I, I love the design. It's, it's unique. Um, it's funny to me, like, and I don't know if this is an intentional thought or if I'm just overthinking because the latter is absolutely possible. Um, but the, for a show called the lower decks, the nacelles are literally lower than <laughs> they are on any other ship that we've seen really, you know, especially the enterprise the enterprise. They're very lofty and high, but the nacelles are, you know, right there at the bottom. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Ray. I like the color. I like the design. Um, I, I liked it, and I love that the interior feels like I'm walking into a, a TNG season eight uh, type set. Like there's a uniformity in uh, Starfleet design, and and that's really cool. Yeah, 
I'm absolutely with you there. Uh, something that you, you, you touched on is uh, something that they talked about in the episode of the ready room that covered this, which is all of the, the design, the shot design, the cinematography um, was designed as if it was a physical space. So mm -hmm. the camera is where you could put a camera if it had been a physical ship uh, to make it look more like the way TNG was shot. It's very deliberate. If you didn't watch TNG, you probably didn't notice anything weird and it wouldn't have mattered. But if you are a big TNG fan, there's just so many similarities in the style of the way the show is shot. And I think that's really clever. Um, Mike, McMahon, Mike McMahon uh, also did the tng season eight twitter account which i didn't know until like two or three days ago i thought that was one of the very first twitter accounts i ever followed way back in 2008 on my very first account and yeah. I had like no idea that he like who this guy was and so like that's just awesome that that's the same guy like i like when passionate fans trekkies get to actually work on star trek it's pretty amazing it, it's awesome and it's cool to see that and it's also like it's an inspiration to me personally because i mean a lot of us uh listening are probably working jobs that maybe we don't give a shit about but it pays the bills and would love to be doing something that we're passionate about and so like you know every time that you make a podcast or make a blog post or do something that is in line with what you care about it could turn into a thing. And that's, that's kind of the Cinderella story that I think a lot of us who are disillusioned with our jobs uh, need to hear. Like, here's this guy, like he is a nerd and he's a Star Trek fan and he had a very successful Twitter account and that led him to his job with Rick and Morty, which led to a job working on an actual Star Trek show. And, and yeah, that's really inspiring. Mm-hmm. One plot I want to see, I just, I'm just staring at the design of the Saratos. I want to see the ship do a saucer separation because like basically the entire ship is the saucer section, right? It's got 11 decks. That's where everybody is, but have like a handful of our lower deckers doing maintenance down below and like in the cell when the ship separates and they're yeah. stuck on this part of the ship having mm -hmm. to figure out how to get it somewhere or, or land it or something like that, I think could be a really fun theme yeah. for an episode. I agree. So speaking of theme, how'd you guys like the opening and the theme song? Because I know that's always um, a point of conversation with Trekkies. I'm on the fence about it for two reasons. First, the music is pretty, but it didn't grab me. I need to listen to it a little bit more. Um, it, it did not grab me, not even as like as much as the Discovery one did. Right. Um, which is a bit of a, of a shame because I've always loved the the music. the The actual sequence itself is funny. It's pretty hilarious and it's pretty beautiful. I'm worried it's a little too silly at times because there's a few things that happen that just seem like incompetence rather than anything else going on. And right. I don't I don't know that that's great, but I get what they were going for. I adore the little alien that's like su sucking on exhaust. Yeah. It's yeah. So funny. Well, and that reminded me, and I maybe it was a TNG episode, but that reminded me of like, wasn't there like a parasitic space whale episode? Was that the Scotty episode? No, they mention it in Relics because Jordan okay. is explaining it to him because they had to sour the milk. That's right. That's right. So yeah, I saw that and I immediately thought that that was a TNG episode, wasn't it? <laughs> we didn't see a... it as graphically as this, but 
I think it's a different alien, but yeah. Oh, I'm sure it is, but it, but it's it's a similar concept. <laughs> but yeah, I, I liked the intro. I liked. I thought it was visually very pretty. Um, I'm with you, like honestly. But but it, looking back, the discovery intro to me was pretty underwhelming for the first few episodes. Like it took a while for me to get attached to it. It took a while for me to get attached to just discovery as a show in general. Um, but I love the theme song Discovery now more that I, I'd heard it a few times. And so um, Lower Decks, the, the song itself, you know, it was fine. I felt like it was intentionally derivative of a lot of the other themes that we've heard. Uh, it was, you know, so I don't have a strong opinion about it yet, but I'm willing to give it a few more episodes. I think this would be worth bringing up here in a few weeks to see how we still feel about the theme song. I agree. Mm-hmm. Ray, do you have any thoughts about it? I really enjoy it so far. I think it's a good theme song. I'm not quite sure it works for this show. I honestly, like, I, I tell you that my least favorite part about DS9 is the theme song doesn't seem to really fit with the tone of the show. I think this would have been better for DS9. <laughs> Maybe Enterprise. <laughs> Who knows? That's a fair, that's a fair point. Or you, Discovery. like, you know, like Faith of the Heart. Faith of I no. It, Star Trek doesn't need lyrics. It really doesn't. It doesn't. And I don't hate that that show or that theme song as much as most, but it's not the strongest by any stretch. No. I mean, Discovery is not great either. It's really understated. It's very mm-hmm. subtle. Almost too subtle. Picard's yeah. though, on the, on the other hand, like so like talking about modern Trek, the Picard theme song is beautiful and gripping and like it is like a, a painfully beautiful opening theme song so it's not just that i don't like new trek themes it's that you know only one of them in recent memory has really gripped me to date right that's fair well you know it's been a long road getting through this podcast (laughs) so i think it's time to call it a night um so we're gonna sign off but we will be back next week to review episode two envoy we're also going to do it live in our Facebook group. So be sure to join us at 9 p.m. Central Time. So that's 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Facebook.com slash groups slash redshirts and runabouts. Uh, join us live. You can chat during the show. We did this one ad hoc. So now you know it's coming uh, every Thursday while, while the show is, is on air. Uh, Ray, if people want to talk to you about ds9 and orions or something completely unrelated to star trek how might people find you i am at siren ray on facebook instagram and twitter and zach if people want to talk to you about why the enterprise theme song is the best theme song of all of the star trek series how (laughs) can they reach out to you uh, I am on Twitter at AvengerZS for Zach Story. Uh, and that is also my, uh, you can find me on Instagram there as well. Perfect. And I am at the Star Trek dude on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, you can come talk to me about Star Trek, sci-fi movies, whatever. You can catch Ray and I on Screen Heroes, the film podcast here on the Heroes Podcast Network. We uh, This next week, we are reviewing well, retro reviewing, anniversary reviewing, Scott Pilgrim versus the world for its 10th anniversary. Oh, shit. Very excited about that. 
Uh, we've been doing lots of anniversary reviews while the movie theaters are closed and movies are not releasing. So you can catch a lot of retro type look back reviews that we've been doing there. Hey, we're living in an apocalypse, so we could use some nostalgia. So we've got that. That we definitely have. So Screen got... Heroes brings the nostalgia. We do. We definitely do. Um, and we are Red Shirts and Runabouts. So you can find us at Red Shirts Pod on Twitter. You can find us at Heroes Podcasts. Dot com. We're part of the Heroes Podcast Network. You can subscribe to our show on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, and more. Leave us a review. If you leave us a review, let us know. I'll I'll read that review on the show as long as it's not completely inappropriate. So <laughs> there you have it. It doesn't even have to be a positive review. If you hate me, tell me. I'll still read it on here, and then I'll explain why you know you're wrong. But <laughs> uh, you know. You still can have that uh, that incorrect opinion. Um, <laughs> but yeah, please check us out. Join our Facebook group. We're doing the ultimate uh, Starfleet crew tournament. We're going to do more stuff like that. We we'll, might even try doing some alien crew building. And we, we do lots of fun stuff in there. So come talk Star Trek with us. We will be back next week. Live long and prosper. Mm-hmm.